Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee batting range getting ready to record episode number 252. Got a fun show lined up for you this week. Our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week. Have a fun Did You Know? Another really good listener question, of course, Paige's Power Play. In our lead-off segment, we're going to talk about some travel ball issues, some things that people should be thinking about um, as they're choosing a program and choosing a team. In our cleanup topic, we're going to have the second half of our article about the 10 groundbreaking of women. We're going to add a couple of honorable mentions, people that didn't quite make the list. And then, of course, we're going to finish up with our action coach coaching tip of the week. So before we get into all that fun stuff, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. And please take advantage of the uh, uh, EFP20 discount. It's a great way for you to save an additional 20% on your bats, gloves, anything you order. Uh, Anderson's got their new gloves coming out. They're really going to be fun, um, and we're excited to have Anderson on board with us. Also, let's think about patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. If you're in a position where you can help support us, we absolutely need to add some more patrons. We've made great progress. We're close to breaking even. If we can get another handful of people to come on board, we could actually have a month when we're in the black and it doesn't cost us extra Let's money to keep, break, this thing, break even, and, right? uh, to keep this thing afloat. You know, Coach Don and I love getting together to do it, uh, but I, I just have to tell you, I keep you know questioning how, how long I can be dumb enough to stay in business so that a business keeps losing money. Right. But we enjoy doing it. It's fun to get together. And the fact that we've had the patrons come on board that we have, the sponsors that we've had, has made it much more tolerable. You know, this last eight months or so, we've gone from being way in the in the red to you know actually being Getting in closer. the neighborhood. No, I know, and it's just five dollars. If if we can get yeah. uh, five dollars, that goes a long ways. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like any other crowdfunding kind of idea. You can get yeah. ten or fifteen people to kick in a little. It ends up being a lot. And Absolutely. so, if you see value in what we're doing, if you feel like you want us to be able to continue to do it heading into the future, please think about becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. As Coach Don said, it's 5 10 or $20 a month. Thank you very much for all of our existing patrons, all of you that have Absolutely. been supporting us, and all of our sponsors. Um, again, you all are, are rock stars. Keeping we certainly it afloat right it. now. Yeah. Um, but we, we'd, we'd like to get to the point where we can see a break-even point. And do some other things, maybe. Right. Yeah. So Don, that's going to take us into our warm-up segment. Our warm-up segment is sponsored by Bidinger and Styles DDS. They're located in Webster, Massachusetts. If you're in that Webster area, if you have any dental needs at all, uh, Bidinger and Styles have been longtime supporters, patrons, and advertisers with the podcast, and we would love for you to patronize them, to use their services if you need them. Let them know that you're an Everything Fast Pitch listener, and that's how you got hooked up with them. So Bidinger and Styles DDS. But Don, our city of the week this week is Loganville, Georgia, hometown for me. That's fantastic. We've had so much good softball here in Metro Atlanta, and uh, we've got Loganville uh, jumping in with us. That's super exciting. Well, one of the things that's so funny when I talk to people from other parts of the country, like friends from back in Wisconsin and things like that, you know, they say, well, you live in Atlanta. 
and they have no idea. Not really, Atlanta. That Atlanta but, is yeah. like a five-county mega city now, and Loganville's on the east side. We're about as far east as you can get and still say that you live in the city of Atlanta. Right. So now, right now, we're in beautiful downtown Woodstock at the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio. Well, this morning, to get from Loganville, which is in Atlanta, to the Cherokee Batting Range, which is in Atlanta, with fairly light traffic by Atlanta standards this morning, took me an hour and 45 minutes. I know, that's a lot. And you can go a lot further west than we are right now and still say you're in Atlanta. So, you know, the idea of saying you live in a city, but it can take you two and a half or three hours to go from one end of it to the other is just kind of a crazy thing. And again, it's just an easy way to describe. Right. And that's with moderate Atlanta traffic. There are some times that the drive over here takes me two and a half, three hours. It was a pretty smooth ride this morning, but I uh, want to say thank you to the folks in Loganville. Um, obviously, state of Georgia, the Atlanta area are softball hotbeds. You know, we had a chance to recognize a lot of kids in, in this area for our player of the week and things like that, uh, because we work with them and we know for sure who they are. Uh, we definitely uh, want all of our listeners to find somebody you know that's a, that's a potential listener, somebody that has not listened yet, get them on board, get them to come on, take a shot at listening to an episode of Everything Fast Pitch or Coach Prep. Um, and once they do that, I'm confident they're going to keep coming back. We've got a lot in the archives. We've got tons and tons of information. If they're Fast Pitch folks, get them to listen. Yeah, we got to still work on that O Canada thing too, right? Or, uh, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Oh, uh, waiting for that spike. Let's, so Let's do it. Yeah, let's get that done. Congratulations, Loganville, Georgia. You're the city of the week. Our player of the week this week is Callie Sparks. She plays for the Tribe Travel Ball Team. She's a fifth grader at Cherokee Elementary School. She's been pitching for about a year, but she's one of those kids that just really cranked it up. She's working super hard, really dedicated has gained a tremendous amount of confidence, but she's hitting some of those plateaus now. You know, one of the things we always talk about is that there's those breakthrough moments. And so she's been working really hard and has been consistently clocked out over 40 miles an hour. She's starting to learn some pitches. Callie, that's awesome. And so when we think about those 10 and under players that are that dedicated, that are working that hard. Inspiring, yeah. When, when they're little, they're so much fun to watch and to work with. You know, one of the things that always cracks me up is, you know, I think back to when I was coaching at the college level, I used to think about, you know, giving lessons and thinking about working with young players or, or less experienced players. And I, I mean, I have to admit it, I was a total snob about it. It's I thought, different. I know. Yeah. yeah. I, I just thought it was beneath me to work with kids that weren't great because I had spent so much time working with kids that were great in, in the college setting. What I found out very, very quickly is that working with some of these seven, eight, nine-year-olds is way more fun than it ever was coaching a great player. Because when they get to do something the first time, the look on their face, the excitement in their voice, all that kind of stuff is just amazing. It's priceless, yeah. yeah. When we hear about a player like Callie having some success and making some progress and getting seeing that improvement, that's a very exciting thing. So congratulations, Callie Sparks. You're the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. Keep it up. So now let's talk about our equipment tip of the week, Square Cuts Training Discs. Now again, uh, the discs this week, Tori, I guess my story would be about someone using it for throwing. We've got some that try it for their pitching spins. We've got some that try it for overhand throwing. And that's just a little side note from, you know, what they were originally intended for. And that's, you know, with our hitting. When we use them each week here, we get really good feedback. People that see them for the first time, they're very excited to be working with something different for variety. So it's like, you know, I get to hit something other than a ball. That's great. You know, we hit wiffle balls. We hit regular balls. We hit cage balls. We do all that stuff. But the discs are... uh, like a special new thing and again everybody needs to try them and it's not a huge investment so it's a great value 
if you don't have a set, you need to get them. Absolutely. And we, we designed them as a hitting tool. It gives you instant feedback. Every time you hit it, you're going to know if you hit it well or not, and way more clear evidence than you get when you hit a softball. And that's the, the reason why the Square Cuts training disc is so important. If you go to the fastpitchprep.com website, you can look at the YouTube channel. There's a couple of videos I did that are sort of tutorials about how to use the Square Cuts, how to see it do what it's supposed to do for you as a hitter. And once you get a chance to see that, I think you'll understand that the concept of squaring the ball up is not as easy to understand for a young player, for really for any player, but for sure for younger players. With a regular ball. With a regular ball. Yep. And you know they think they're hitting it really good, and they are, but they're hitting it like 80%. Well, if you hit the square cuts training disc at 80%, you're going to know for sure, because it's going to fly off that tee like a helicopter. Wobble. And it's going to have a crazy wobble in it, you're going to know for sure. So go to the fastpitchprep.com website. They're $49.95 a dozen. You order them up, we'll get them shipped out to you right away. Um, and again, it's a great tool. I think every player should have them for their home training, and definitely every team should have a couple of sets uh, so you can have a couple more fun stations to use at practice. So Don, did you know, and maybe the least surprising, least shocking, least, I don't want to say impressive because it's very impressive, something that everybody could have bet the house on this year and been 100% likely to win? Guess who's number one in almost in, in every single one of the preseason college softball polls? I'm not sure. Poughkeepsie State? Yeah. Yeah. No. That's not the winner? No. Uh, Oklahoma is clearly and absolutely, without a doubt, everybody's number one. Now, the one thing that I did find was You'd almost of, be crazy to bet against them. Yeah, you would be crazy. I mean, right now, if, if Las Vegas has odds on the uh, college softball season, it would be something like you could pick Oklahoma and then you could pick every other team. Like you could have Oklahoma or the field. That might be the only way you could get a bet. You couldn't get probably odds to pick any of the other teams. Now, the one thing though I did think was really interesting is UCLA was universally number two. Oklahoma State was universally number three. And not quite every single poll, but quite a few of them had Florida State at number four. So it seems like when we had Justin on uh, last week, he talked about his prediction for how he thought the rankings were going to be. And as we said when we were interviewing Justin, if you want to know what's going on in the world of college softball, he's your guy. Well, this is pretty clear evidence. He nailed the prediction. um, And everything that I've seen says that those are the four top teams. And it kind of makes sense because all of them have great returning players. All of them have added great players through the transfer portal. All of them have great coaches that are used to winning and used to being successful. So there's no real surprises. And I guess we could safely say that the odds on right now is that you'll see those four teams in some way, shape, or form battling it out in Oklahoma City. That's going to be exciting. And again, each year that we get together and talk about it, Tori, uh, it just seems like the upcoming season is going to be amazing. And it uh, usually holds true, and I don't think this is going to be any different. I think this year's going to be better than ever. Right. So D1 Softball, they had their poll. I just uh, saw it earlier today. Um, they have Oklahoma, UCLA, Oklahoma State, Florida State, like we just said. And then we have a bunch of, I guess you would say, the usual contenders uh, rounding out their top 25, which is fairly close to what a lot of the other ones are. The, uh, Alabama's and Virginia yeah, Tech. M- m- most every other poll has this same combination of teams just in different spots. Florida, Alabama, Northwestern, Arkansas, Clemson, Georgia, Stanford, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Texas, UCF, so Central Florida, Kentucky, LSU, Arizona, Auburn, Louisiana, Washington, Duke, Oregon. Those are all amazing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, every time you say a name, it's... North Texas and Ole Miss are the top 25 for the D1 softball. The only one of the schools that's on that list that less informed softball person might not recognize North Texas, North but those Texas, of us that yeah. know what's going on, Rodney's been doing a great job there. He's had some amazing players, continues to do a great job at North Texas, so for them to be mentioned in the top 25 is not a surprise for us. But that's a pretty strong group, pretty every, strong bunch of teams. Every one of those schools you consider betting on. Yeah, yeah. And, an, and an awful lot of... Big 12, Pac-12, SEC, just a little bit of Big 10, and a couple of others. Right. And so it's, it's going to be an exciting thing. You know, the, the college season um, is going to be a lot of fun this year. I mentioned it last year. I've got the Sling TV package, so I can watch a lot of I college wanna, softball. I want to fast forward into this season and find out what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, one of the really interesting things is, you know, you got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the same conference. So we know they're going to play each other at least three times and maybe more. We get it because they might play in the conference tournament again, too. If Oklahoma can continue their crazy records of 50 something and one and, you know, that kind of stuff they've been doing, you know, Oklahoma State's going to have something to say about whether it happens. So there's a lot of big schools that need to uh, get in there and compete with them, right? No, it's going to be fun to watch for sure. We need some battles. All right, so Don, that's going to lead us to our listener question. Listener question comes to us from Catherine, and Catherine's question is, my daughter's very young, but she wants to be a catcher. I'm having a hard time finding catching gear for her. She's nine. What can I do? Well, again, having nice equipment and, you know, in particular, good fitting equipment, I think is really important to enjoy that position, getting out and and looking, trying on. I don't know what direction we've got our friends at Elite Sporting Goods. They might be able to give some advice on, uh, you know, what they have available to order. But having nice gear behind the plate is, to me, wonderful. Grow so fast that it's tough when they're younger to make a huge investment in gear. But maybe that would be something that we could buy as a, if it's good equipment, as a used item. Maybe a play it again sports, that type of thing. But I think there is good equipment out there for them. And it is great for it to fit well but uh, well the the challenge is for the smaller kids is finding sizes that match up with them now the good news is with uh, jen schro and some of these other companies now that they are targeting the female athletes and they're targeting sizing that fits girls better than it used to the pictures we all have in our head of you know that poor girl out there behind the plate with the shin guards that are three inches too long and the chest protector that's six inches too big dangling on them and the helmet that just about spins off her head every time she moves she's out there trying to catch with this gear that just does not fit at all you know we're we're already asking a player to do something when we put them behind the plate especially for younger players and we're talking about you know a nine or a ten year old that's already challenging enough you know you're going to get banged up you're going to get nicked up well if your gear is bad or your gear fits badly the chances of those little aches and pains turning into really painful injuries goes up like geometrically, whatever we got to do, if, if it means, you know, going to more places and trying on more sizes, special orders, you know, those kinds of things, you know, finding something that is geared to fit as much as we possibly can. And once we've done that, let's say we still can't quite find the perfect right off the shelf out of the box stuff. Then sometimes we're going to have to be creative ourselves. We might have to go, you know, to Hobby Lobby or someplace like that and buy some extra foam rubber, get glue and add some extra padding in some spots. A little um, Home Depot work. Yeah. If you're creative enough, you know, some of the catching gear, there are spots that you actually could take a plate out and reconnect it and make them a little bit shorter. So there's ways that you could maybe, you know, MacGyver together some catching gear that will fit better. 
But the the bottom line is, Don, you touched on this, and and as a former catcher who's worn the bruises and the bumps of of playing that position, having gear that really fits is crucial. If we want a player to fall in love with catching, we've got to give them gear that fits them well. If we don't, it's going to always be a struggle. I can remember when I was younger having to wear shin guards that were too long. You mentioned that earlier. And just in, in the because we wanted good equipment, but we didn't want to have to rebuy it a year later or six months later. To be in gear that fits is huge and to enjoy it. So there are more and more options, but it's still way better now. Yeah, but it might require, you know, some creativity, some, uh, some do it yourself stuff, you know, and it might even be, you know, something that you have to find somebody, the local handyman type person, somebody that's good at fixing stuff. You know, and saying, okay, these are, you know, three inches too long. You, know, you might have to go to a body shop or a, you know, an auto mechanic or somebody like that that can picture how to, you know, modify the, the gear that you have a little bit. But whatever we need to do, we need to do everything we can to make sure that it fits as well as possible if we want that player to have fun playing that position. Well, and to the, the other point, I think you touched on it, Tori, that they're designed to protect knees and, you know, the kneecap and stuff like that. And if they're not covering them properly, then... There will be a ball that will find its way to, to pop you in the wrong spot, and, yeah. and we're having other issues. Yeah, and, and there's nothing more heartbreaking than to see that player back there working her butt off, trying to do things the right way, and then because the gear is so ill-fitting, you know, to still be getting you know tore up behind the plate because she, and and some of it too is kids need to know for sure Learn how the gear is supposed to fit. Yeah, you know, that's one of the you know, other big areas that probably should have discussed that especially with younger players, sometimes they, they don't really know for sure how to adjust the chest protector. They don't really know for sure. We let it be loose. Right. It, it's yeah. way too loose to begin with. And then yeah. we, we've created some problems too. But so do everything we can to get it to fit, to fit right. If you want to know what it's supposed to look like, turn on you know some YouTube highlights of college softball games and you see how the catchers are wearing their gear, how tight the chest protector is. How snug everything fits. It should feel um, like a piece of your body. Yeah, it, it yeah. should feel like you're uh, just another layer of your uniform. It shouldn't yep. feel like anything more than that. So, um, Catherine, thank you very much. If you have questions that you would like us to talk about, topics you want us to discuss, make sure you reach out to us. Uh, we're always looking for Player of the Week nominations. We're always looking for questions, uh, suggestions, ideas. Go to fastpitchprep at gmail.com or everything fastpitch at gmail.com. And I didn't mention it during the uh, uh, player of the week uh, this week, but we definitely need more nominations. So uh, folks, get on it. Make sure we send some questions and some nominations. So Don, that's going to take us to this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, it's Paige here, and I hope you're having an amazing day today. And I shared something on my social media that I wanted to share with you guys here today. And it is about... How your daughter doesn't need a new team. She doesn't need a new coach, a different coach, a better strategy. What she really needs is tools that are going to help her learn how to actually be and have confidence. I always thought the grass would be greener on the other side. But honestly, even when I was on a different team with a different coach, had a better strategy, I was still struggling to believe in myself, to go out there and think I was going to freaking succeed no matter who I faced or what happened in my last at bat. It wasn't greener. It wasn't new teams. It wasn't different coaches. It wasn't a better strategy. I didn't know how to be confident, to have actual confidence. What I needed was tools that were going to help me learn and understand how I could be confident to create my own confidence. So once I started choosing thoughts that empowered me, like 
I don't care who is pitching. I'm going to get a hit. I can hit anything. Hitting is easy. I started getting out of my own way and finally having the success that I deserved. If this problem feels all too familiar with your daughter, I've got you. I literally created my mental training program to teach girl athletes mental training tools that will help them create the confidence they know is deep down inside there somewhere to show up on game day and everywhere else so she can dominate. Enrollment is open right now, and I would love, love, love to help your daughter learn how to actually be and have confidence. You can apply it to enroll at my website, pagetons.com. You can also add the backslash the confident athlete to take you directly there. Cannot wait for this next group. It's going to be incredible. It just continues to get better and better with every group. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Ask me any questions that you have. And I also have some bonuses for you guys specifically and for people who enroll right away. I have a bonus one-on-one Zoom call that's available to your daughter. So like a private session. So if you're interested in that, if you want some one-on-one time, if you want her to start working on her confidence and having the tools to be confident, definitely go apply. Check it out. Again, if you have any questions, let me know. I'm here for you. Have an amazing day. Uh, I say it every week. Paige is a rock star. Paige Tons, T-O-N-Z.com. If we're not signing up for programs, we are missing out, and I feel feel bad for you for missing it. Don't leave that portion of your training out. Yeah, because yeah. it, it's not something that we can all do, do on without. our own. We can't MacGyver that as well. Don, that's going to take us to the lead-off topic. It's sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite's located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at Elite Sports Orders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, ball, gloves, catcher's gear, uh, the whole nine yards, reach out to the folks at Elite. They're happy to ship anywhere in the country. So, Don, this has been something I've, I've read a whole bunch of stuff about on social media. So, it kind of par- uh, piqued my interest in, in talking about you know, one of the things that we notice all the time that people are really quick to complain after they go to a tournament and the tournament's not very good. Well, something else I'm starting to notice that people are getting really quick to complain about and that I'm seeing a lot more complaints and and questions are going to teams and organizations that are supposed to be one type of organization, one level of play, one type of coaching, and really disappointed that what they're getting from that name brand doesn't match up with what they're really looking for. And I think about it's like, you think about going to McDonald's, you know, you think any place in the country you go to McDonald's, you're getting you know, the same qu- your quarter pounder should be pretty much the same. I think people are thinking that, that way about travel ball now, that if you go to organization X, that all the teams should be the same, all the coaches should be the same, and the vision of the organization should be the same across all teams. And obviously that's not the case. No, I think, Tori, uh, we've talked about this a few times in the past, and it's kind of a numbers race right now. Everybody's trying to grow their organization so much that there does become a lot of variety in terms of the skill level and your thought today is that uh you know just the name kind of almost assumes a certain level right of play or of quality of team and again that's just not the case and buyer beware maybe or yeah, no, you know I think it's, w- when you're you do your research before you jump in with both feet and maybe it's a good thing that there's multiple levels in each organization if they do things well if they provide a lot of support for the coaches if they have good facilities for them to train at 
you know, if they are very instrumental in helping them get into tournaments, then maybe that's a good thing. But if we're looking for what we're talking about today, a, a certain level, right? Just beware. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, we we've talked about the whole team jumping and and organization jumping and stuff in the past. And and the one thing that you mentioned that I think we have to look at from a logical perspective, if an organization has five teams, the thought that all five of those teams can be treated well and, and be given the resources and be given the support and have the networking and all that stuff, that seems like a very reasonable thing. Let's say if you had one team in every age group, you could clearly have enough time, resources, energy, and connections to treat all of those teams really well, make all of them something special. Sure. Well, when you've got 25 or 30 teams in each age group, when you've got you know, 200, 300 teams across the country in your organization, there's no way in the world that they can do yeah. those, same, those things that you're talking about that are so valuable. There's no way in the world that an organization that has teams from California to Maine, from Florida to Montana, all wearing the same uniforms, the same colors, the same name, that the people in charge of that organization even know who those coaches are know what those teams are, know how strong they are or are not, know what kind of coaching they're getting, how you know what kind of tournaments they're playing in. There's no way in the world that they can possibly administrate that much stuff. And I think that's where this whole arms race and growing your organization and trying to make your organization as big and powerful and financially lucrative as you can has really gotten off the tracks. And I think where the a lot of these questions are coming on, on social media and I think you touched on it pretty clearly, a player joins a team thinking that that team is a certain brand. That brand has national championship pedigree. They've had you know lots of success placing players in college programs. And all of a sudden they get in and they find out that it's just another team. You know, right. There's really nothing about it except the colors that say that it's that thing. And, you know, and here in our area, you know, there's a couple of organizations that are really beating the drum to grow as much as they possibly can. You know, I, I look at the number of teams showing up in, in a tournament, and, I, and I, I tell this story all the time because this was the first situation where I really saw it. When I was coaching at Tennessee Tech, girl that I was recruiting that played on a firecrackers team in California, and I got to know her and her dad and, and you know, the team really well. And Firecrackers was the first group to really start to try to grow the national thing. Now, when they first started, they had their number one team, and that was it. Then they had their number one team and kind of a secondary team, and then that was it. And then five years later, they had you know 500 teams all across the country or whatever it is. So I went to California to watch a showcase in the fall to watch the, the girl and her team play. And they sent me the schedule, and I couldn't help but laugh because they were playing five games in this showcase. Game one. They were playing, two Firecrackers teams were playing. Game two, two Firecrackers teams were playing. Game three, two Firecrackers teams were playing. So every game they played that tournament, they played another Firecrackers team. In their org, Right. So they played Firecrackers Don, then they played Firecrackers Stan, then they played Firecrackers Tori, then they played Firecrackers Ernie, then they played Firecrackers Fred. And they were a Firecrackers team themselves. I just hoped that they were going to coordinate enough to make sure that they didn't wear the same uniforms every game. Right. So that you know, so that you didn't look like you had one team scrimmaging against itself Same when you team, got to the ballpark. Yep. So that was kind of how this all started. Now we've got a whole bunch of these organizations, you know, and when I see that going on, it just makes me shake my head a little bit. And so I understand that players and families get frustrated because they think if they're joining one of these organizations, you know, they think that they're getting all the bells and whistles and the perks that you mentioned 
because of joining it. But again, if you're team number 17 out of the 30 and 18 and under in an age group, in that, a, that in might an organization, not be the draw from the college. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, it's not getting you recruited. It's not getting you a better spot in the tournaments. It's not getting you the power pool in the showcases. It's not doing any of that stuff for you. It's just money that you're spending to buy you know more gear and to, to pay dues to an organization that the value of what they can provide you has got to be diluted. It's got to be in question. Yeah. Right. Again, doesn't mean that there's not some benefit, but how much benefit in relationship to the money invested and all that stuff, that's a whole nother thing. And so you, you hit the nail on the head, buyer beware. So you're looking for a new team or you have a team that's looking for a new organization even. What are you really getting? You know, I have a good friend of mine who's been in three organizations in three years now because every time he switches, he gets sold the promises yeah. and then the reality is not what they think they're going to get. So, you know, if you're looking for a team, don't think that because it's a certain brand that that means you're getting anything special. You have to ask a lot of questions. You have to do your research. You have to talk to the players that are on the team. You have to go and watch a practice. You have to see who they're playing. You have to do all that stuff to know for sure what it is you're really getting yourself into. And if you don't do any of that stuff, but you say, well, hey, they're a whatever, and think that that means it's going to be a great situation, you're really fooling yourself. I'm looking forward to a nice, strong, homemade type of group, a new org, something different, Tori. Yeah. Well, the one thing is I've... It, is it I, possible I've, anymore? I, I don't think it is, because the one th- unfortunate sidelight now that, that's happening is this whole name brand fallacy that we're talking about now has become so widely accepted that players will not consider a new team that is... Wouldn't it be fun if you were a a good solid coach that had a good following and you could create a new brand? That would be fun. Right, but you can't. You had the fast pitch prep Purple Cobras. Right. And it was coached by Patrick Murphy, Mike Candrea, and Sue Enquist. We couldn't get it. We we still would have a hard time pulling players in because even though you've got three Hall of Fame greatest coaches on the planet coaching it, that certainly have connections and wherewithal and knowledge, too many people be like, "Well, I'm not playing for a team called the Purple Cobras." Right. You know, my my friends are all on whatever. You know, here in the Atlanta area, you know, you've got you know Impact Vipers, Bullets. All these organizations, you know, Mojo, I mean, all these different groups. Georgia Power. Yeah, that, yeah, that are yeah. all pulling teams in different directions. They've each and, got a good one. Well, yeah. Or a couple. A couple. Yeah. But they all have a lot more teams than they have good team. Fair enough. I'm yeah. just going to, I mean, there's just no nice way to say it. You know, I, you know, the, the last team I helped with, we would play in some tournaments and we would see the team name thinking, oh, maybe this will be a good game. Be 15 nothing in the second inning. And you know, we're playing a team that's got the same uniforms as the national showcase powerhouse team, but the kids can't catch fly balls. They, they can't hit, they can't, I mean, they can't bar- barely play, but they're sending in their dues. The buyer beware caveat emptor that Don mentioned earlier, make sure you do your research, do your homework. Don't be surprised if you just sign up because of the label, thinking that that means you're going to get to play on a great team with great coaches that are going to be able to do all the things that you're looking for. You have to do your homework. You have to really do your research. And honestly, you know, I think you have to be open-minded. I think that the reality of it for a lot of players that something non-name brand would be a great idea if somebody had the, the wherewithal and the guts to put it together. No, that would be exciting. But still, I mean, no matter what org we're with, Tori, it's a, a wonderful experience and still good things, but just don't 
don't go into it without calculating some of these things, yeah. right? I'll take your rose-colored version <laughs> of that and say it can still be a, a, it, it still can a good still thing, be a Tori. great thing. Yeah. But if you're going into it thinking that for your $300 a year or $500 a year or $50 a month or whatever it is that you're paying in organization dues that that's getting it that that's going to guarantee something yeah you're going to be really you're you're more likely to be disappointed than be happy i think that's 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 just the reality of it so um so do your homework make sure that you're paying attention so that's going to take us to the cleanup topic don cleanup topic is sponsored by pinnacle power butter everything fast pitch is very proud to be sponsored by pinnacle power butter it's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com, and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. And as always, please make sure you take advantage of that EFP10 discount. It's a great way for you to help support everything fast pitch and also save a little bit extra money on the way, too. Don, we're going to finish up our 10 groundbreaking women of softball. We're going to do the last five on the list. Now, the list was written, the article was written by Flow Softball. They did a great job with it. We talked about the first five last week. The first five were Joan Joyce, Sharon Backus, Margie Wright, Carol Hutchins, and Dot Richardson. So that's a pretty impressive list. And one of the things we wanted to make sure, we talked about it at the beginning today, but for all of our listeners, all of our young players, all of those parents and coaches that are kind of relatively new to the game, every time you go to a tournament, every time you play at a nice park, every time you turn on a college softball game and you see these amazing players playing in these amazing stadiums, you need to think of these names from this article. The reason we have what we have now is these women fighting, scratching, clawing, hard work they battling, yep. thinking back to the days when coaches like Carol Hutchins and Margie Wright were dragging their own field and doing their team laundry, going to the grocery store to buy snacks, and then coaching the team, and then teaching a class, and all that stuff just to be able to coach. You're saying it wasn't really a, a well-looked-at venture they right were, they were frowned upon for all their efforts yeah and, yeah and and fighting people who didn't think they should be and couldn't and shouldn't they and should all be doing stuff. something else right. yeah. so always keep these names in mind because the reason you have so much fun playing this game now and watching your kid play this game now is because of these people it's, it's just that that important so let's talk about the next part of the list and again thanks to flow softball because this is a really fun article to, to go through lisa fernandez i was wondering when she was going to get in there because she was kind of the best of the best for a lot of our beginning, for sure. Oh, without a doubt. No, Lisa Just, Fernandez was the first, to my way of thinking, really big name in the game. She of, had big contracts with Louisville and big back contracts and Olympic success. And yeah, yeah she could well, do it all pitch, hit, yeah, play she was, third base. She was probably the first of the real dual threat, absolute superstar player. She was the best pitcher yeah. in the game. She was the best hitter in the game. She was the best third baseman in the game. She played every inning of every game. Uh, They won nothing but national championships while she was playing at at UCLA. And she's continued now as an assistant coach there, helping them win more national championships. It seemed like she was one of the first to really 
get good sponsorship and stuff. For Contracts. signature mat and yep. stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. And, and all that stuff was really cool. Olympic gold medalist, you know, a big part of, you know, the growth of the game. Um, I can remember for the longest time, you were a player if you had a Lisa Fernandez Louisville Slugger bat. Right. And if you didn't have a Lisa Fernandez Louisville Slugger, you were a, a wannabe. You need to want to get one, right? Yeah. So, but uh, just to kind of put it into perspective, she struggled on the mound, you know, obviously, when she was at UCLA. Her record was 99 wins and seven losses. Her career ERA was 0.22. And that was at a time when the Pac-10 was the softball conference of the world. It was the they, best they players. They were playing the best. There was yeah. you know, absolutely everybody they played against. She's world famous for having the most back-breaking changeup, I think, ever. She's one of those players that she could stand out on the mound and say, I'm going to throw you a changeup, throw it to you, and you still couldn't hit it. Hope you didn't look that funny. Yeah. Her attitude, her effort, her uh, demeanor, the way she played the game was as intimidating as anybody who's ever played. She was one of those, you know, you, you, you bring Just it, I've got something there. for you yep. kind of players. Yeah. Um, you know, I think she's five, six, five, seven. So she's like a normal sized female athlete. She's a normal sized softball player. And for her to have been so amazing and not be some out of the box, you know, hard to, hard to compare myself to kind of player, I think did a lot for this game because uh, a lot of players could look at her and say, well, I might I, not be that good, but I, I can certainly still be good at this game. I might be able to do that. And so, and obviously, you know, just another UCLA connection, you know, multi-time, you know, long time, you know, forever UCLA family member and, and just a great player. So Lisa Fernandez. Next one, Jenny Finch. Jenny Finch, again, that's somebody uh, that everybody can kind of be familiar with. Right. And now yeah. I think Jenny really deserves credit because I think she was the player that mainstream America finally found out about fast pitch softball from. You know, there's no nice way to say it. She's tall. She's pretty. She's amazingly successful. She was great at the Madison Avenue marketing kinds of stuff. She had a lot of different sponsorships and things like that uh, that put her in the public eye. I had the good misfortune of facing Jenny Finch when we took our team out to uh, Arizona to play the first time we went out there, um, Jenny was a freshman. She was we, still pretty good? Um, well, she threw a no-hitter against us. Ah. And we were the second no-hitter of her career. So when we think about that, it was like the second weekend <laughs> of her softball career, and she already had, had two no-hitters. Had one. Yeah. yeah. She, had, she had, you know, had one coming into the game against us. Just an amazing career at, at Arizona. She had a stretch of something like, 50 straight wins over over a couple of years you know while she was at Arizona a great Olympic player and, a great ambassador and, for and, the and, game, and in yeah. the public eye you yeah. know and and so again I think that the one thing that where she really connected to the the public in general is that she was that first person that softball people think of Lisa Fernandez like you know the greatest thing in the history of all softball for the general public, most people think of Jenny Finch first because Maybe she was more across so many approachable, right? And, yeah, and and you know, I mean, and she was in People magazine, she was in Glamour, she was in Vanity Fair, she's in a lot of other areas, arenas that people that are not softball people would look at it. And so I think that was one of those things. Very strong in her Christian faith, just a, a great ambassador for the game, and and obviously an a, amazing player, amazing Olympian. And still doing a lot. She's still on the speaking tour, still doing a lot with uh, with the game. So next one is another one that I had the good fortune, bad fortune of playing against was Jessica Mendoza. She was a great player at Stanford, played on a College World Series team there, Olympic Some Olympics, star. Yeah. Many people think of maybe the best left-handed hitter in the history of softball. Well, you know, we'll leave that up for discussion because there's been a bunch of them, but she was an amazing player. But now 
crossing over the lines being an ESPN celebrity talking about baseball and doing baseball game of the week and stuff like that. When you think about the leap that that takes to go from being a softball legend to being on national TV talking about baseball and being widely respected enough that she can be in the studio with Alex Rodriguez and Tim Kirchin and all these you know baseball savants and talking to them about hitting is a right. pretty cool thing. Now, she's also done the uh, you know, women's college series, uh, World Series games, been a big part of that. One of the funniest things ever was for a stretch, they had uh, John Cruck, former major leaguer, who was kind of a character, came in and was doing some of the women's college World Series games to just kind of give a little bit of a the, old guys. The beginning commentary yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it was kind of funny because uh, he and Mendoza would go back and forth about you know the strategies and stuff like that. But it, you know, uh, she was just a... A great player, um, again, somebody that's kind of crossed the lines because she's had so much success in the broadcasting world now. I think people sometimes need to be reminded that you know when they see Jessica Mendoza on Baseball Tonight, they really need to do a quick YouTube search of some of her highlights from when she was a player. When we played them, when I was still coaching at Tennessee Tech, uh, we played them a really good game. We lost to them. Um, and I could tell you that uh, it was fun watching her play because she's out there running around that outfield. It was like one of those times you're watching somebody you think of she's standing in right field but the ball gets hit in the left field corner she's still going to run it down and catch it except she already knows her teammate's going to be there to catch it so she was just amazing really fun stuff. to watch yeah. amazing another one is natasha watley another ucla great another olympic great again one of the connections with you know fernandez mendoza and natasha watley is for a long time softball was a really white game and to start to see women of color different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different races, getting involved and, and having great success. Natasha Watley was the first great, great player that kind of made that uh, leap, that, that awakened people to the idea. You know, and now we see so many different kids, I mean, of all different races and uh, everything playing this game. It's kind of a fun thing to see. But I think, you know, Natasha Watley can get some credit for that because I think she was one of the first players that black kids could look at and go, hey, Short, I could be her short someday. Short stop, truly amazing. Yeah, quick. I mean, yeah. super fast, great player. Um, you know, again, somebody else who you know could safely be in any conversation about you know the greatest player ever, and also just has done you know an amazing job in the on the speaking circuit and things like that. You know, getting out and sharing her knowledge. You know, great Olympic, Olympic career, stuff, yeah, um, great professional career, and just somebody that has done an amazing job. You know, she's somebody that should really be revered when we think about this game. So the, that's the ten that uh, Flo Softball talked about. And I think it's an amazing list. Every one of those uh, women, I did not have the good fortune to play against Natasha Wally. It's really kind of funny, Don, when I think back to this, because over the years, I had the good fortune of coaching against almost every team in Division One, But I never coached against UCLA. And I never coached against Michigan. Interesting. And now there were even times that we were in tournaments with them. But back in those days, you know, every tournament wasn't just a round robin. So you would go to a tournament that would have 16 teams. You'd you would play, it up. Yep. Yeah, you would play three or four pool games. And then if you did well enough in your pool games, you'd go into the bracket. And there was one year that we were in, uh, in Columbus for the NFCA leadoff classic. We had a really good team that year. We made it out of our bracket. You know, and every, everybody was shocked because we had beaten Flo you know, Florida, Florida State, Nebraska, a bunch of really good teams in that tournament. And so we made it out of our pool and we were in the bracket play. And then we won our first bracket game. We were supposed to play Virginia Tech again. And that year, we'd already played Virginia Tech twice. We, we went to three tournaments at the start of the year. We played them, supposed to play them three weekends in a row. We play, And this was when they had Angela Tincher. So obviously, you know, a great, amazing pitcher. 
Tincher had already beaten us twice, and so we had made it to the semifinals, you know, the final four of the leadoff classic. We were supposed to play Virginia Tech, and then Michigan was in the other side of the bracket. Scott Thomas, our good friend, kind of did me the solid and talked to the people at NFCA and can talk to them about how we had already played each other twice already. And I think he was kind of looking out for his kids too, because, you know, obviously they were kind of getting bored with, you know, with Angela beating us. And so, you know, they flipped the schedule around and uh, we ended up uh, losing our semifinal game. If we had won that one, we could have played Michigan because Michigan had beaten Virginia Tech. Right. So that was the closest I ever got to get to, to get to coach against Hutch. And I could ask her if we could play with a square ball. <laughs> but, but my honorable mentions, these are three other women that I think uh, when we think about groundbreaking women that we have to pay attention to. Number one is Michelle Smith. And, you know, Michelle Smith, I've had the good fortune of working with her on a lot of different things. You know, she was part of the Worth group when I was doing Worth work, spoke at a couple of our coaches clinics. I had a chance to, you know, have dinner with her and get to know her pretty well. She's as an impressive. I think Olympics. Yeah, and, and Olympics, yeah. Uh, international place. Yeah. You know, she was the first, you know, going over to Japan to be a rock star. And again, I never had the good fortune of, of coaching in a game against Michelle, but got to know her really well. And her work on the broadcast, being the voice of the Women's College World Series, so to speak, all the knowledge that she's shared, I think she's very impactful and very groundbreaking and definitely deserves mention. I think she could have very easily been on this list. You know, it's hard to argue with the, the 10 that are on there, but she could have been, yeah. you know, if they, if they made it 15, she'd definitely be on the, the 15. next five. Right. Another one. And this is one that I have so much history with. It makes my eyes pop out of my head is Monica Abbott. The first great California player to go someplace else and be great to be a, Tennessee, a yeah. groundbreaker at Tennessee to, I think, throw five or six no hitters against us in her career at Tennessee, you know, just to be that amazing dominating player that that took her skills and, and game to someplace new and tried to start something fresh and help put the Tennessee program on the national map. Again, Olympic great, international great. You know, she's the one that's playing in Japan now and 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 doing awesome. Still, I, I'd say she she will be one of the three or four best pitchers on this planet forever. I mean, if she's still pitching when she's 50, I don't want to face her. We wouldn't be surprised, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the thing that I try to get people to understand when, when we faced her, when she first started at Tennessee, she was not the finished product that she is now. Now she was really good, but she was she's just bigger and stronger. And, and, and she was back then it was 75% of her game was, I'm going to throw it as hard as you can. And I bet you, you can't hit it. Right. And she was right. And that was enough. And that was more than enough. Well, she took that. I can throw it as hard as I can and you can't hit it. And then she added, I can throw it as hard as I can, but I can make it break a foot. Now try to hit it. Hit all my spots. Yeah. And and, and all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, Monica, somebody I have tremendous respect for, I think, you know, she could have very easily been on this list and one that you probably wouldn't say groundbreaking in the same way, but I think is somebody that's worthy of uh, mentioning in, and I think we would talk about her this way in, in 10 or 15 years from now is Jocelyn Allo, what she did on, in her career at Oklahoma you know, the Just national, being young, she yeah, hadn't. Yeah, yeah. She, she doesn't have the the historical background yet of some of these other greats, but for she the, will be there the, for the national mark that she made with all that she did on the field. I mean, she's pretty darn important She'll person it, too. Yeah. But so those are my honorable mentions. I'd love for our listeners if you have other people that you want to add to the list because I could have had more. You know, being old and being around this game as long as I am, there's a lot of people that have made a really important contribution and made a big impression. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Flow Softball, I want to give you the shout out. That was a great article, something I really enjoyed reading. And I would tell all of our listeners, make sure you read the whole thing. Because we just touched on the surface. A lot surface. of detail in there. Yeah, we just yeah. touched on the surface of the story of, of all of these women. Um, it's a pretty amazing thing. So 
Don, that's going to take us to our Action Coach Coaching Tip of the Week. Hello, I'm Don Davis of Action Coach Business Coaching. We work with business owners on the three C's so that they can build their business. The three C's are content, context, and commitment. Here's a softball analogy. Content is like the pitcher learning their pitches. It's the education, strategy, skills, and tactics that a business owner needs to know to grow their business. Context is learning when to call those pitches, calling the right pitch at the right time for the right batter in the right sequence. So for context, it's when do we apply those tools that we have learned and we have in our arsenal as a business owner. And finally, commitment is like that pitcher who needs to commit to that pitch. If the pitcher is not committed, it can unravel all the benefits from the practice of developing that skill and having a great pitch call. If we're not committed to what we're executing, we have a high likelihood of failure. So commitment is the mental part of the execution of what you've learned and when you're applying it in the content, in the context. So this week, I'd like to talk about one of the biggest business owners issues, and that's cash flow. As individuals, we're all likely used to having a budget based upon what we earn and what we spend. For those with a job, the money is usually pretty consistent coming in and the money out is pretty consistent as well. And we can anticipate what's happening in a business. It can be much different. The number of transactions and the size of the transactions, as well as the time frame, can create significant pains and hassles for a business owner. It is possible for some business owners to sell themselves into bankruptcy by growing too fast and running out of money before they can become stable. This can happen because the business needs to put money up front for inventory or for salaries before it's turned into services that can be collected through invoicing. This is even more challenging because sometimes customers get longer payment terms and the, the time between collection and when the, the products and services are paid for can be quite long, which can create an issue, particularly when we grow too fast. Couple of tips for your business owners. One, have cash reserves. Build and maintain your reserves to cover all of your business cycles. Also, if you use your cash reserve, replenish them. We recommend business owners put 10% of their profits into a reserve account, into a profit account, and continually to build that so that you have your nest egg, just like you would have a rainy day fund if you were an employee. Another key. Forecast your cash flow often. Schedule the inflows and outflows, especially the big ones, and look for the risks and the uncertainties. If you have a large invoice outstanding with a notoriously late payer, understand that. If you can pull things forward, do so to minimize that risk. Make sure that you have terms in writing that dictate when you should be paid. Next, grow wisely as you pursue new customers, new industries, understand what type of growth comes at a higher risk. Certain industries and customer types can have different risks, and it doesn't necessarily mean a larger company. A larger company may seem like less risk. However, their invoicing of accounts receivables, accounts payable, could take a little bit longer to process, which could put you at a disadvantage, a cash flow disadvantage. So as you grow and you seek different industries and customer types, 
think about what that's going to do to your cash flow. Along those lines, invoice quickly. Do not delay your invoices. As soon as you can invoice on the product or service delivered, get it done. Don't wait the end of the week. Don't wait for the end of the month. Invoice as soon as possible. Get the clock going so you can start collecting. On the other end, pay on time, but not necessarily early unless there's good reason to do so. Sometimes you can get a lower cost by paying early. That's fine. Otherwise, there's no need to pay earlier than necessary. All you're doing is consuming your cash reserves. If you pay early with the anticipation of a check coming in from another customer and it doesn't come in, you could get stuck not being able to cover your payroll. Finally, leverage your technology, but do so with caution. There's a lot of sophisticated and automated tools in the software that we use between QuickBooks and other enterprise resource programs that can forecast your cash flow. But don't forget, garbage in could be garbage out. Know what the information is that's driving those calculations so that you can understand that you're getting accurate information, which goes back to forecasting often. If you're using technology, make sure you check that technology and and audit the information you're getting. So there's a couple things you can do to work on your cash flow as a business owner that's going to keep your business stable and give you a better opportunity for profitable growth. I'm always willing to spend time talking to fellow business owners, especially those in the fast pitch softball community. If you want to talk about taking your business to the next level, then reach out and we can set up 30 minutes. In this phone call, we can talk about your opportunities and I'll share our five ways to increase profits. No business or situation is too big or too small as we have programs for businesses in all stages. If we end up working together, I'll ensure that you get a 10% discount on all of our programs and I'm going to donate an additional 10% to the Fast Pitch Prep Podcast so that we can keep this great podcast going. So all you need to do is tell me you heard about us through the Everything Fast Pitch Prep Podcast and we can get started. When you want to talk about how to improve your business, then you can reach out to me, John Davis at actioncoach.com or call me at 817-538-8864 because now is a great time to get into action. Please make sure you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bad Company, Bittinger and Styles, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Butter, and of course, Action Coach. Make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your Square Cuts training discs. They're $49.95 a dozen. You can also check out the YouTube channel and the blogs. There's tons and tons of information there. Um, we'll get to those uh, Square Cuts training discs right away. Make sure you contact us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com with Player of the Week nominations and also with questions, suggestions, ideas, anything you want to share with Coach Don and I. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.